I love it. <laughs> She's just jingling all the way. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Come on back. <laughs> In the early 2000s, there was a TV show called A Baby Story. It was a 30-minute reality TV show about pregnant women, their families, and their birth process. The show ran for 13 seasons on TLC, and I watched many an episode while pregnant with my children. I don't know how to explain that, except nesting is a very powerful instinct. In a typical episode, we'd meet the parents late in the pregnancy and get glimpses into their lives. Had they been trying for a child for a long time? Was this baby a delightful surprise? Had they picked a name for their little one yet? Sometimes they filmed a baby shower or a last minute tossing together of a nursery. Sometimes they showed a couple's baby moon, which is a honeymoon you take before your baby comes. Sometimes we saw a service member arrive home just before the birth. The show filmed the labor and birth process of this little one and followed up a few weeks later to see how the new family was settling in. The show was tidy and lovely and exactly what any pregnant woman would want to watch. Loving parents in beautiful houses, expecting their little ones with joyful anticipation. They'd created a space for their baby in their hearts and homes and were aching to bring their tiny bundles home soon. They had good marriages, good families, and good lives, or so it seemed. The perfect environment for raising a child. In this season of Advent, we too are awaiting a birth, and I fear it has become for us as tidy and mundane as those on television. It's easy to forget social convention, legal requirements, and sheer terror when we jump ahead to the end of the story. Last week, we spent some time talking about Mary and how, despite the claims of a popular Christmas song, she definitely knew that the baby boy she was carrying was, quote, the Lord of all creation. It seems only right, then, to read what little we know about Joseph this week. Now, it's not often you will hear me say a man gets the short shrift in biblical text, but it happens here. At Christmastide, we see Mary depicted as she usually is, sitting on a donkey or holding her baby among the livestock, usually clad in blue and white, and that's how we know it's her. Sometimes she has a corona, too. But what makes Joseph recognizable? <clears throat> What separates him from the shepherds or even the magi to come? In most nativity scenes, it would be easy to change Joseph out for any of the other male characters. And that's a shame, because in this text, he does something really quite remarkable. And I think we haven't given Joseph his due. Today's text begins, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. As all of you know, in the ancient Near East, 
Engagement is the same as marriage, except the bride lives with her parents until the ceremony and sexual contact was not permitted. Reasonably then, Joseph thinks Mary has been unfaithful to her commitment and he decides to divorce her. According to ancient marriage contracts, Joseph had only two choices, have her stoned or divorce her, and he chooses the more humane of these options. He has no real choice, this is the law. Mary has been unfaithful. And I wonder if he was jealous or angry or indifferent. We have no idea how Joseph felt, but we do know that prior to the angel's coming, he chose this more humane option of divorce. It's interesting, though, that the text says he's unwilling to expose her disgrace and plans to divorce her quietly. For the very next verse says, But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In the previous verse, Joseph says he wants to protect Mary from scorn, but the angel exposes Joseph's own fear, taking a pregnant woman as his wife. I imagine Joseph is bewildered at this news, wondering if he had a little too much wine with dinner to account for the dream. An angel comes to him, tells him to break convention and all social law, marry this woman, father her child, and adopt Jesus as his very own son. I imagine the angel saying, I know this is a lot to handle all at once, and it's not at all what you expected but it's gonna be okay. God is about to do something wonderful despite the fact that you are in a rather socially unacceptable situation right now. Social pressure around right behavior and right actions are at odds with the work of God here. I wonder how many times we allow being right to override the work of compassion to which we are called. This is one of the beautiful things about this text, that unexpected things, things outside of social convention, can be wonderful signs that God is at work. Even among our messy imperfection, among our human striving and hardened certitudes, God is still doing a new thing. The text goes on, she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the Lord, through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, we have a genealogical problem here that the angel addresses. The angel addresses Joseph as a son of David. So we know Jesus can only be a son of David through Joseph, his father, but Joseph is not his father. But the text solves its own problem if we know how to read it. You shall name him Jesus. You see, the act of naming the baby, Joseph adopts Jesus and acknowledges him as his son. So legally, he's then grafted into David's line. Jesus is now, too, a son of David. The angel asks Joseph to trust this strange news that the child is from the Holy Spirit, that he has already been given a name, that he will save his people from their sins. 
In a dream, God announces the coming of the one who will show us a different way to be. The text translates Emmanuel as God is with us, and that's the way most of us know it. But I have a preference for the more accurate, if less musical, with us is God. God with us feels beautiful but fragile. It feels like a thing that comes and goes, a thing whose advent is in Jesus. But much like Paul Tillich's understanding of God as the ground of our being, with us is God feels solid and sure, that this baby is a reminder of an eternal, always, already withness. This is Emmanuel. I wonder about your Emmanuel moments. Where are the with us is God places in your life, those thin places where heaven touches earth? When a baby was born? When you took a courageous step? when you faced public shaming, when someone intervened and saved you from yourself. Joseph did not know where saying yes would lead. He didn't know that he would have to fly to Egypt with his stepson. He didn't know Jesus's life would end at the cross. All he knew was that something wonderful had been promised and he was beckoned to follow. And so he did. And so are we. God still calls us to do strange and unexpected things. Sometimes we are brave and do them because we know, we know somewhere deep inside ourselves that we must go and do that thing. From cross-country moves to giving up jobs to moving mom in with you, there are times the truth of what you must do drops into your spirit and you simply move. You can't explain why it's right. You can't explain why social convention is not. You just know. You just do. Likely, as the poet David White writes, the call will not come so grandly, so biblically, but intimately in the face of the one you know you have to love. The text calls us to rise and follow God's call, not knowing where it will take us, or even indeed the path God has set before us. And yet, the call to Advent is the call to adventure. It is the call to rise up and take a step into liminality, releasing our hold on that which is known and familiar, what is socially acceptable and culturally correct in favor of God's new thing. It is embracing the anxiety of the unknown to come and doing the next right thing. When we partner with God to bring the new advent, the new adventure to bear, we get to participate in the naming of our new future. The text says, when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. May we be roused from our own sleep, friends, and may we do too as the Lord commands. Amen.